Real Estate Radio, 94.9 News Now, stimulating talk. Byron Lazine, Ryan Casey, and Chaz Cook from the One Team at William Ravis Real Estate. And we've got a special episode. We haven't done this in a while. Mm. It's been a long time. We have Anthony Acri, the night running for the 97th state representative in a couple of days on Tuesday. Anthony, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, we're, we're excited to have you. You've been on Lee's show uh, a couple That's of times. That's correct. A couple right? of times on Lee's, yes. And so we're excited to have this conversation mostly because of what you're running on. We don't do a lot of these. I've, I've had people over the seven years of doing the show from the left, from the right. Bob Stefanowski's first ever, the first time he was running for governor, first ever show was right here on Real Estate Radio on 94.9. And I think what we're most, most excited to talk about with you is this revitalization of New Haven. Right. You know, right. we care about the real estate economy. And, and every week we talk about that, the health of our home values, of our community. And uh, that's what you're running on. So before we get into all of that, why don't you give us a little bit about your your background? You, you've got, I mean, I'm, I'm looking here, uh, Mayor John DeFestano, uh, DeStefano appointed you to be on the advisory board of New Haven Police Pension Committee, amongst other things. Why don't you give us your, your background? Sure, uh, and I appreciate that. So I was born and raised in New Haven. I went to school at Notre Dame, Quinnipiac. Um, Notre Dame, then Quinnipiac? Or Notre, Dame? Notre Dame High School. High School, then Quinnipiac. Then Quinnipiac University, yeah. right. Uh, degree, business degree, accounting degree. Moved on to do some work in the federal government, working for the federal government in as a matter of fact, locking down the borders uh, was one of the biggest things uh, that we accomplished, the company that I owned. So, and that was a Connecticut-based company also. So we've been in Connecticut. I've been in New Haven all my life. And some of the things that I look at as I'm going and running for this 97th district is the possibility of really bringing revitalization to New Haven. You know, New Haven's got the port. It's got the train station in New Haven. It's got Tweed Airport, which I talk a little bit about in the campaign, about the expansion. But right now, we have everything going for us in New Haven, except for what's happening on a local level. And that affects the real estate that we talked about as well. We're number one in, crime, in violent crime in the state of Connecticut. So when people look at New Haven... Which I was shocked when, before we started the show, you said that. Mm -hmm. And I was like... My guess would have been Bridgeport. Would, did you know that? No. Did you guys know that? No, I would have thought Naugatuck. Naugatuck. Right. I'm not, sorry, like Naugatuck, Danbury area, not like okay. New Haven. Though. Right, right. Uh, I went to school in New Haven at Southern, and, you know, it was safe then, back in the early 2000s, so it's very interesting. I feel like, because I go to New Haven all the time, right? <clears throat> and we just opened an office on, on State Street. We just opened a little satellite office. We love that location. We love the city. Uh, we're right across from... Um, Bar on Tavern. I yes. love the restaurant scene in New Haven. And I go to New Haven all the time. And I, I, I typically don't feel, in the areas that I'm going to, unsafe. So to hear that number one in crime in the state of Connecticut over Bridgeport, which I, I believe is number two? Correct. And then Hartford was number three? I think Hartford was number three. Okay. I was, I was surprised to hear that. And, and that affects, I mean, it not only affects real estate, it affects the small business owners, it affects the whole economy. People worry about the economy. Well, if we're going to build the economy, we have to have safe streets. Right. And part of that, and that's one of the reasons I'm running to try to reduce crime, is the New Haven police force is down from 520 
police officers to about 330 right now. So, so how do you patrol? And how, how long of a period is that? 520? 520 to 330 right now. And, and how long of a period to drop from 520 to 330? Like, is that over a course of a year, two years, three years, five years? It's been less than two years, believe it less or not. Less than two years. Less than two years. And I think a lot of that has to do with the Police Accountability Act. You know, mm-hmm. it's really hampering the police uh, officers, not number one, to do their job, and now, number two, now they're personally liable. So the, the Police Accountability Act came out, and, and was that a state act? Uh, that's a state act in That's a state act. So Police yeah. Accountability Act... Um, I guess was an Ed Lamont thing or yes. Okay. And that was what a year ago, two years ago. I think that was two years ago, two years ago. And then in those two years, New Haven in particular has gone from 520 police officers. Correct. To 330. Right. These are people retiring or. Well, some are taking early retirement because of the liability that accountability act has brought to them. Yeah. I'm surprised that it, it, full capacity, 520 is all the police officers in New Haven, because New Haven's not a small city to try and cover with just 500 right. officers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well nationally. The number is a little shocking to me. So are we yeah. replacing? Are we looking for? Well, the mayor is, is talking about replacing and trying to uh, get an uptick on people that are, that are uh, applying for the jobs. But. It's not a great thing to be a police officer now. They have a lot of responsibility and not a lot of protection uh, mm-hmm. from the cities and the states. So that's that's an important factor. So if New Haven, we worry about real estate. We worry about the economy. We worry about revitalization. We can't do that until crime is under control. We right. obviously have to pay police officers. We were paying 520. Now we're only paying 330. Do we know where the the money, the savings is going, number one? And number two, because we we do have you're on the board of this New Haven Police Pension. Committee. Well, I was. I'm not any longer. Not that was longer. some years ago, right? Okay. So, but my question for you with that experience is, do we have the money to keep funding these the police officers' pension, and and, and is that why we haven't replaced them because we don't have the money to fund the pension? That's just where my mind goes. It could right. be. I could be totally off base, but that's just a thought. Well. Nationally and even in uh, blue states and cities, there was a big push to defund the police officers and put that money in different programs, social programs, etc. So some of that money got moved to other programs. Mm-hmm. So the answer is yes, there is money to fund the additional it's police officers. Spent. It's being spent in other areas. So it needs really to be pushed back mm-hmm. into the law enforcement area. And not only we, we talk about crime, if I can, for a minute. Uh, we need police officers back to full capacity, but we need to work with community leaders and get some of these communities funded. I've talked in New Hallville, uh, many, many different areas, and they said what they need to do is get some funding. They know the bad guys on this corner and the good guys on that corner. The police officers need to work with the community leaders and a social worker program. And, I mean, we could get this city back under control in 12 months. Wow. What are some of the programs that we're spending the money on now? Uh, I, That's kind of evaporated from the police department. Government. It's some nonprofit programs, um, and I should not give you the names right now because what we're doing is my staff is just looking at how the money's being spent, and I don't want to yeah. bring that out right now. But typically, some nonprofit programs that are not successful yeah. that are being used for money. Wow! Wow! And, and like we know. 
talking to people who are moving into the area, and we saw an influx the last few years in particular, and obviously re- real estate market is um, changing rapidly, people want to live somewhere safe, right? And that, that was one of the big draws <clears throat> to Connecticut the last couple of years was they felt overall Connecticut was a safer option. Correct. But if you're, if you're telling me that New Haven is number one in crime, uh, it's something to think about. And yeah. we'll, we'll talk about this more. As we come back with Anthony Acri, who's running for the 97th state representative, and we'll be right back. Real Estate Radio 94.9 News Now, Stimulating Talk. If you're signing up for a short-term life, Real Estate Radio 94.9 News Now, Simulating Talk. Byron Lazine, Ryan Casey, and Chaz Cook from the one team at William Ravis Real Estate. The one team is the number one team in the entire state of Connecticut for total transactions year to date, according to the CTMLS. Uh, that's beating every other team, Ryan. That's what number one means. Uh, is it? Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> that's, that's I'm glad. Right. So, uh, First time Ryan's ever been number one. <laughs> hey. we, we typically stay to the real estate, but we're, we're going a little bit deeper because we care so much about the community and the health of the community in which we're able to sell all of this real estate. We've got Anthony Acri with us today. He's running on Tuesday to become the 97th state representative. I'm, I'm saying that wrong now, aren't I? Uh, it's 97th district state representative. That's district correct. State representative. I knew there was a district in there somewhere. Anthony's passionate about public safety, fiscal responsibility, education, and the homelessness issue that many don't know about in New Haven. I want to dig into on this segment education. People are going to make decisions in 2023 when they're purchasing a home based on key points in life. Okay, that could be. Uh, diapers. They just had kids or they have little kids that are going into school and they want to be in the right school district. Could be diamonds. They just got married. Could be death. Could be divorce, right? There's these big factors that people move no matter what the interest rates are, no matter what the economy is doing. These real estate transactions happen each and every year. So the real estate transactions of the last two years where people are just you know, buying on a whim, these COVID purchases, those will certainly be gone. But the people that need to move for a particular reason, could be a job, you know, could be some of the other things I mentioned, they're still going to make a real estate purchase or sale in 2023. And education is a huge one, right? Like the work from home stuff is kind of going away for a lot of people. But where you send your kid to school is ultra important to talk about New Haven in particular, where you're running, uh, but the education. Connecticut always says, and I, I see Ned Lamont running on this, they always say, we've got the best public schools. It's a big flag Connecticut waves at the rest of the country. We have the best public education. Is that true for New Haven? So New Haven is last in education in the state of Connecticut. Shocking, last and, and you, you see Yale University and some of the spinoffs there. You hear the colleges. You see the some of the good grade schools. You know, uh, we have some uh, charter schools. So you would think it would be up there. It is last in education. One of the things that happened is with COVID, New Haven shut down longer than any other school system in the state of Connecticut. So now it's difficult 
to bring those kids back up to speed. And one of the problems is that funding for some of the after-school programs, remedial reading, mathematics that was in place before COVID has all dried up. So how does New Haven get back to getting to the top of education? We need those after-school programs being brought back, so we need funding from that. But you're right. People look at education when they're moving. New Haven would be the last place people would look at because of the education. And it won't be hard to fix. We need some funding for additional materials for the schools. And we need the after-school programs uh, being reinstituted. And then training for some of the teachers. The teachers have been away for some time. They're back now. Uh, we need to bump up their enthusiasm and the training. So, again, it won't take long to get New Haven back. We just need to move on it pretty quickly. Well, are we overstating just as a whole in Connecticut the like you hear I hear it all the time that we just have the greatest public schools and and I have my opinion on that statement but are we overstating that as a state or are we you know trying to are we are we basically living out something that's already past us and trying to still claim it as if it were true you're correct on that we had one of the greatest education systems in Connecticut years ago. Now, if you look at the major cities, and I said New Haven is last, but uh, Bridgeport's down at the bottom, Hartford, Stamford, a lot of the major cities, because of the inner city schools and the lack of funding of these after-school programs and the amount of time that they were shut down, uh, I would say the state of Connecticut as a whole is lacking big time in education. Yeah, I mean, we're uh, in our studio here in our headquarter office in Guilford, Connecticut, Guilford, Madison. You know, it, it serves a very small portion of the students, great schools, great public school systems, but serving, to your point, you know, talking about the cities here in comparison to cities, a very small percentage of the students that are going through the public school system. Right. What else are we lacking in besides the cities, and then particularly in New Haven, uh, when it comes to getting more kids the education they need? Is it like being able to go out of, you know, going to a different school that's not in their district? What, what flexibility do we have right now in New Haven? What flexibility do we need for them to choose what school? What would level up the playing field for public schools where they actually have to compete with each other? Well, I th and one of the things I did not mention is the curriculum, and I know this is a uh, wild subject, but in the New Haven uh, public school system, and I'm sure statewide, the change in curriculum has made a difference. I know a number of teachers. I have a shop here in Brantford, a mechanical and uh, tire shop, and I get a lot of teachers and police officers, just a widespread uh, group of people from the community. A number of teachers are looking to leave their positions, and these are teachers that have been doing this for a long time, because of a forced curriculum on them. So I know this isn't answering the question, I'll get to that, but I wanted to mention, you're, you're now getting, losing, or getting rid of teachers that have been there a while, that are well experienced with kids because of the uh, parental uh, lack of say in some of the curriculum, because of the teacher's lack of say 
in some of the curriculum. So that's also affected the public school system, and that gets back to the public well, school system. My sis- and, and we'll get to the, you know, how can schools compete in just a second. My sister was a tenured teacher. She now works for my media company. One of our top producers here on the team, Emily White, she was a tenured teacher, was just some of the things that you're talking about was just fed up. Also fed up on the on the fact that, like, I want to talk about schools competing. Why are, you know, I know it's the union, but teachers were not able to, to have any competition between teachers. You could take a really hard worker like Emily, who she's one of the hardest workers in real estate. Her numbers are backing it up. And I know that that work ethic was what she teaching is a hard position. Hard. These people are really working really hard. But when I look at it, you know, as a business operator, I say, okay, there's a group of teachers that are working hard and high performers. And then there's a group of teachers. Listen, I smoked pot with three of my teachers in high school. <laughs> All right. There are public school teachers yes. in the great state of Connecticut with our, with our public school. That flag okay. Stuff. So. There's also teachers that are just collecting a paycheck, right? meaning they're, they're not going above and beyond the call of duty. And, and if you want to call that 10%, 15%, I'm not painting a picture that all teachers are lazy or like that. The far majority of them are working their tails off tirelessly, buying supplies for their students that aren't available for them, especially in the cities with these school districts. My sister's worked in some cities, Norwich. Uh, a couple, some of the Hartford cities as a teacher. And, and it, it's what she said was like, man, it's hard to like get the school to support you. And then in some of the cities, it's hard to get some of the parents to support you. So they're like, you're just on your own out there. Right. And, and so it's hard. But, but at the end of the day, when you get a uh, top performer um, like my sister or like Emily here on the real estate team, they just get fed up and they leave. And then, you know, we're obviously losing great teachers because of that because. There's no competition. Everybody gets paid the same. If you're a bad teacher or if you're a great teacher, you're getting paid. My whole thing is treat everybody fairly, but everybody's not to be treated equally. That's why I love business, right? Like, you know, we're not going to treat everybody equally because not everybody's on the same playing field here. You you could be a brand new agent, you could be an experienced agent. Not going to be treated equally in that type of an environment. You're all going to be treated fairly for where you're at. In the game. Right. I feel that should be the case for teachers and the case for schools. So how do we create more competition in education in our state? And the school system is not set up uh, based on uh, compensation. You're right. Uh, uh, overperformer, overachiever should be compensated more. And what does that do? It makes the people who are underachievers look at that and say, wait a minute. I can make more money. I can get more uh, benefits. And they start. Uh, overachieving so that lacks and and i don't know how you change that in the school system the public school yeah. system in new haven it's not set up that way you aren't rewarded for uh a success or for uh, achievements and that's a problem I, any business that's how it's handled the school system in new haven is not handled like a business no are there any models that are that you can point to that new haven maybe could do to to make it easier for options of where to send your kid to school so you, well, I know Florida has a system, and we're looking at that right now, that has that is based on achievements. It's based on uh, your performance. Um, there's a couple of areas in Florida that are doing that. So I would definitely take a look at that, look at that study, and see if we could bring that to Connecticut. 
I look at a lot of things uh, Florida's doing, and I'm like, wow, makes common sense. Yes, common sense. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, do we want to get into some of I didn't realize New Haven had a, a big homelessness problem. Especially Correct. around the green area. I remember it was uh, probably 10 years ago when um, people were trying to protest out of the green, and then they were running into an issue with the protesters trying to peacefully protest in the homelessness um, and all of them trying to converge on the same place created a lot of controversy down there. And you know a lot about this, Anthony. We're, we're with Anthony Acri, who's running for the 97th District State Representative. That's New Haven, portion of New Haven. Uh, you know a lot about this homelessness, mental health issue. It's something that means a lot to you. Uh, you have a daughter who's very passionate about right. this issue and she's pushing you to get involved and and you have gotten involved in a big way and so we'll dive into what might be shocking to you about homelessness in our great city of new haven when we come back real estate radio 94.9 news now and stimulating talk and Ryan Casey of the One Team at William Ravis Real Estate. We want to thank Anthony Acri again for coming on and you know talking to us about what he sees for the vision of the city of New Haven and also thank Byron for being on the show. He had to run off and save the day as he always does put out some fires for us here at the One Team. But we are going to finish off this week's show with the weekly rewind. We had ourselves another great week. Right, guy, how was your week? How was my week? You know what? I had an uptick in, um, in showings, and people wanted to list their house. You know, like, last two weeks was kind of quiet, and all of a sudden... Boom. Who knows? Who knows what, you know... Like, we're always trying to figure it out. Well, what's the reason why, but... Well, you know what? That's going to be no interesting next show, so we're going to kind of tease that one out there. When we break down all of the numbers from the month of October, we look at under contracts, medium price points, days on market, and months of inventory. But first, let's get into this rewind. We had two new listings, three price improvements, 16 under contract, and 12 closings. All right, our first new listing was brought to the market by Heidi DeRusso, 136 Foxbridge Village Road, number 136. Came on for $234,900. You've got two beds, one and a half baths, just over 1,200 square feet. This is a great end unit townhouse, uh, underhouse garage, low HOA fees of $300, beautiful contemporary, located in the sought-after Foxbridge Village. So if you are looking for a condo in the Brantford area, you can reach out to Heidi at oneandcompany.com. 
Our other new listing for the week is 1 Lewis Street in Groton, Connecticut. I'm not going to go too far into this one because it is under contract, but it did hit the market for 439,000. Three beds, two baths, just over 2,000 square feet. And it was brought to the market by Mary Pula. So if you want to keep an eye on that one, if you have any questions uh, about that area, you can reach out to mary.pula at ravis.com. Our three price improvements. 101 Winding Road in Madison, Connecticut is now listed at $449,900. That is an Emily White listing, so reach out to her, Emily at oneincompany.com if you are looking in the Madison area. 60 Cowpen Hill Road in Killingworth, Connecticut is now listed for $649,000. That is also an Emily White listing, so Emily at oneincompany.com if you are looking in the Killingworth area. And our final price improvement is 6 Molsick Road in Seymour, Connecticut, is now listed at $427,000. And that is a Tanisha listing, so you can reach out to Tanisha at oneandcompany.com. Amazing, Chaz. Amazing. That's what everyone was waiting for That's what this I do. week. I bring amazing to the show. You do. All right, now here are the towns where we got under contract. Groton, Norwich, Meriden, Norwich again, Hartford, East Hampton, Hartford, Hamden, Ledyard. Harwinton. Harwinton? Harwinton. Harwinton. Is, is that in Massachusetts or is that in Connecticut? That's Connecticut. All right. Cheshire, New Haven, Stonington, Bridgeport, Bridgeport, Wallingford, Bridgeport again, and we closed in Westbrook and East Lime. That was all the closings? That was all the closings. Well, it says 12, but I only got two on here, so we're going to have to... What we'll do is, if you go to our website at the oneandcompany.com, oneandcompany.com, go to blog, we'll update the one-week rewind so you guys can see exactly um, what we put under contract. And it's good, because if you go on there as well, you hear these houses when Chaz is talking about it, just go right to the website. You can pull up the photos, you can see exactly while you're listening to this smooth, silky voice. What the house is all about. Right? See the full listings. And a lot of times, too, we do not just photos, we do aerial photos, video. Videos. So, I mean, you That's on the YouTube can... channel, too. You can check out the One Team uh, YouTube channel for all of our stellar listing videos where we highlight the property and we show everyone how we do it here at the One Team. But open houses, all right, we've got a bunch going on today from 11 to 1. So still some time to get over there. 11 Greenview Road in Middlefield, Connecticut. Again, that is 11 to 1, so you got a little bit of time left there. That new townhouse that we mentioned, 136 Foxbridge Village in Brantford, Connecticut, kicks off right after the show ends at 12 o'clock and goes until 2 p.m. today. So that is 12 to 2 at 136 Foxbridge, Vill- Foxbridge Village in Brantford, Connecticut. 88 Sullivan Road in Lisbon, Connecticut, also starts at 12 today and goes until 2 p.m. So 12 to 2 p.m., 88 Sullivan Road in Lisbon, Connecticut. Tomorrow, we've got another lineup for you. We've got 88 Sullivan Road again in Lisbon, Connecticut from 12 to 2. So if you can't make it today, you can shoot over there tomorrow from 12 to 2 p.m. 101 Winding Road in Madison, Connecticut from 12 to 2 p.m. tomorrow, Sunday, November 6th. Daylight savings, last one hopefully ever. Yeah. 60 Cowpen Hill Road in Killingworth, Connecticut, tomorrow, November 6th, from 12 to 2 p.m. And that, oh, oh, we got 136 Foxbridge Village in Brantford, Connecticut, from 12 to 3 tomorrow. So you got an extended open house there tomorrow afternoon. So if you're looking for something to do before the sun goes down at 4.30 p.m., you can head over to 136 Foxbridge Village in Brantford, Connecticut, and check out that open house. Chats, how much time do we have left for the segment? Uh, 
I don't know. Producer Bobby was running the clock there, so he's just going to let us hang higher and dry here. But anyway, I, on, boys? I have How a doing? feeling that he's asking that question because we've got a little Casey's Corner well, on deck for you folks. I was thinking really quick. I'm not sure. Oh, we got perfect. So let me tell you something. I was watching some sports. I was having a glass of whiskey, and I was thinking about that this is the last time we're going to change the clocks back. I'm excited for that. I, did I miss this? How is what? Why are we? So we're going to push it back, and then we're going to do forward in March, or you know, spring forward, spring okay. forward, and then we're never going to do it again. Is this a us three decision or? No, this is the whole entire country. Can well, you imagine if we had that kind of power? Though, we got to remember Arizona never did daylight savings time, and nope. I think Hawaii, Utah, Utah. 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 Yep. So. Keep in mind. So, what does that mean? Because I was thinking about. Okay, well, next time, a year from. Wait, this is a real thing. That's this is happening. Legit. This is not. We're not making this up. Yeah, this is happening. So we used to do it for the farmers, right? Because apparently it had something to do with when they planted their crops and when they needed the daylight to get the most sunlight to help them grow. Mm-hmm. Then somewhere along the line, they stopped kind of following that trend. I'm not sure of the exact details on it. We'll look that up and fill you guys in on that. And then we just kept doing it because that's what we always did. So for years, they've been fighting to get it to go away because it just didn't make sense. So, and so now this Sunday at 2 a.m., that is going to be the last time we, we fall, fall back. back. So pending recession, war in Ukraine, gas prices, uh, elections, midterms. Let's get rid of daylight well, savings. Is so that, that's was what, that the priority? So that's what I was saying. So I was on my third glass of whiskey, and I was thinking to myself, well, how is this going to change? So first off, it's never going to be as dark as it once was. So next week, around 4.30, when we push the clocks, or, when, you know, next week, 4.30 is going to be... Tomorrow. Tomorrow. It's going to be dark at 4.30. Yeah. Like, that's, you know, the shortest day. At 4.30, when I go pick up my daughter, it's pitch yeah, black. Yeah, okay. That's never going to happen again. So it's never going to get dark again, maybe in our lifetime, at 4.30. It would always be But why five. the half? Like, this is what I'm, I'm feeling. To, I, I still think this is a joke. <laughs> no, dead serious. Why, why are we being, like, why is this half measure on this? Just, just stop. Like, if it, there was no... Like, why do it one more time? Yeah. Yeah. There's no discernible difference if we were to just stop well, immediately. I think, it's like, I think it's like anything. Like, in war, right? When they call, you know, they say, hey, the war's over. They give it a couple hours for everything just to kind of settle. It's like, maybe this is... Who knows? Send the message out. Let people hey, adjust. This is, yep, you know, they didn't want to rip like, the Band-Aid off, so to speak. Maybe people had plans or wedding or have things the, going that, on. That where hour is going to... It will affect it, yeah, you bet. So that means, so that, okay, so take it from there. So it's never going to be as dark as it was in the afternoon, but it's never going to get bright in the morning. Anyway. That anymore. is my, the one thing I am going to miss because as an early morning runner, it the sun does not come up until about 7.15 now. No. So at least with daylight savings, it'll be up around 6, like when I head out the door. So that is the one thing I miss, but I'm not going to miss the 4.30 dark. And, you know, as an optimist, I always used to look forward to December 21st. you know what December 21st it's is? It's the shortest day of the year. It's, right. all, it's all upside down. So if I could just there. make it to there, you know, in the darkness in the afternoons, I would feel good because every day after that it would get a little bit longer and a little bit brighter. So now, I, don't, I mean, it's still going to be you the shortest nothing, day of the year. You have nothing to look forward to. <laughs> but I just don't have as much darkness to look forward to. I'm still going to be running in the pitch black in the morning, but at least in the afternoon. Is out there like I won't want to go to bed at 5 o'clock. You know, it's going to be interesting <laughs> with holidays too now. Next year, when you think about, like, you know, we have a lot of elderly people in my family who are like, I can't drive at night. Now that you can stay longer, it's it's gonna. I think it's going to completely change a lot more than people think. All right. So, question: Are we 
this is going to, excuse me, listeners on 94.9, are we the first country to do this? Or well, there, I don't other, think other, other countries have daylight savings. I don't think other countries. Now, I know it had to do with the farmers. I was once told it also had to do something with war as well. I'm not sure what the, yeah. the whole history is. but So now you have homework for next week's show. You have to come up with a full report, a book and report. And a diorama. And a diorama to share with the 94.9ers I'm going to have to get puppets for Byron. The history of daylight savings. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be different. It's gonna be this is blowing your Long Island mind. You know Do you know why this is gonna help us as realtors? Because yeah. there's nothing worse when you know people get out working on see houses. You're seeing them in pitch darkness. Now you gotta have a little bit more time. An hour. What we in the biz call golden hour. But I, re- I remember you used to enjoy the fall market more than any because if people wanted to go out in that darkness, they were a little bit more They're committed. A little bit more. So, yep. Yeah. And they don't have to see my face either. Which <laughs> right. usually, committed to buy which house. There wasn't as much of a glare up. They're like, why the lights not coming? in the house <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I don't want to say but yeah I mean fall is a really good time to I mean granted like I said it the last two years has just been haywire haywire with right. COVID and so who knows how it's going to go this year but um but yeah I don't I don't mind it because I mean when people are kind of I don't want to say you ever have bored buyers but we got some buyers who are just bored and want to look at houses in the yeah. summer oh it's gorgeous out we have dinner reservations I'm in let's town go, for the weekend let's yeah. go see a house is, is there an age where that kicks in is there an age where suddenly it goes from literally do anything else to why don't I go see houses? Yes, it's called uh, when you have kids and you need a date night. It's like, oh, let's go see a house and yeah, go to dinner. And I'll say like movie. 30s, 40s, 50s. Sometimes a lot of people. And you can kind of tell off the bat because I kind of tell them their future plans afterwards and they just don't seem interested. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, we got to get ready to wrap this up. But we want to give a big shout out to the boys and girls at Service Station Equipment for sponsoring this show and allowing us to come on here and fill you with all this lovely insight about daylight savings, even though we don't really know anything about it, except that this is the last time. So we will do better on that for you guys next week when we are here. Ryan, if anybody wants to reach you, how can they get to you? Let's do my email, Casey, C-A-S-E-Y at oneandcompany.com. And I am Chaz. C-H-A-Z at oneincompany.com. That's going to do it for us on this episode of Real Estate Radio on 94.9 News Now and Stimulating Talk. Woo! Say Radio 94.9 News Now, Stimulating Talk. We're back. Byron Lozine, Ryan Casey, and Chaz Cook, one team at William Ravis Real Estate. This show is brought to you each and every single week by Service Station Equipment, your residential tank specialist. If you've got any residential tanking needs, go talk to the boys and girls, Martin McKinney, Dougie Braun, over at Service Station Equipment for all your residential tanking needs. We're going to get back into the tank here with Anthony Acri, who's running for the 97th State District Representative in New Haven. Anthony's very passionate about crime, education, homelessness. That's why we thought it'd be a good idea to talk to him about all of that on this show as it impacts our real estate economy directly. Uh, Anthony is a significant uh, contributor. He's worked on a board of nonprofit men against rape in Washington, D.C. He's a member of the board of directors for Amazing Gracie Foundation in uh, Utica, New York. He's worked, helped families with children who have cancer over the years. He's also uh, been on the New Haven Police Pension Committee and was appointed by the New Haven mayor for the advisory board of that committee. He's done a whole bunch of stuff. He's participated with the National 
Hispanic Caucus in Washington, D.C. and Texas. That work uh, was and continues to be done, and it's invaluable to the safety of all Americans. If you want to check out Anthony's uh, campaign, anthonyacri.com, anthonyacri, A-C-R-I dot com, so you can help support Anthony here as he gets ready for Election Day on Tuesday. Let's get into this homelessness. I was a little surprised to hear New Haven has um, a growing homelessness issue. Growing homelessness issue, yes. I do a lot of travel for work where I'm speaking in different locations. So I've walked through uh, down the sidewalks in San Francisco. Um, I've, I've gone to – I haven't been in New York recently, um, but I've, I've just been in a whole bunch of different cities. I was in Nashville recently. Um, Nashville surprised me to see a lot of homelessness. I was just in San Diego speaking. San Diego, certainly, quite a bit. And uh, you're telling me that New Haven has a growing homelessness issue. What does that look like? Is it in pockets? Is Are we on you know, the trajectory of a, a real major issue in the city of New Haven? I believe we're on a real major issue in the city of New Haven. Very quickly... The reason I got involved in politics and in this district uh, state representative bid is my daughter, as you mentioned, does work in New York City and runs a major program for homelessness and mentally disabled individuals. She looked at the city of New Haven and said, Dad, you know, you've got a disaster going on there. You know, you've built businesses, you have a legacy of, of that, but do something for society. So she sort of embarrassed me or guilted wow. me into running. I, I said, no, 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 yes, and that's how I started to run. And when I started to run, I did not know the situation that we really have here in New Haven and in Connecticut as a whole. But uh, New Haven, if you go down to the boulevard, Ella T. Grasso Boulevard, there's actually a little tent city there. And I visited them. And there's maybe 40 or 50 tents of individuals living there. They have a gas grill. They try to help each other, support each other. But it's a disaster that winter's coming. Shelters have been closed down in New Haven. You, you've seen a decrease in shelters. You've seen a decrease in mental facilities. We only have one long-term uh, facility for mental disability in Middletown, and the waiting line is forever right now to get in. Um, the same, we have the Columbus House in New Haven, but a couple of homeless shelters have been shut down. And it goes beyond the homeless shelters. You need a homeless shelter so they can live, but there has to be some work-study programs, some education programs. Not a lot, because volunteers uh, like myself would be willing to teach to help these people so they don't become shelter dwellers the rest of their life. Because what happens now these, like you said, San Francisco, San Diego, New Haven now has these 10 villages sprouting up everywhere. And that's an unfortunate situation. You're in real estate. Uh, people aren't going to want to come to a San Francisco with, with homeless tents everywhere in the city. And people on every corner when you're driving down in New Haven, which is a beautiful city, panhandling for money. That's not what we want to look like, and that's not what we want to represent in Connecticut or for the city of New Haven. So, yes, homelessness is a major issue. I've actually hired a number of homeless individuals 
to work on the campaign, and they work harder than some of my, I, I hope my guys aren't listening to this, they work harder <laughs> than some of the volunteers and people I have working for me. They're out in the street, they're just happy that they have a self-worth, that they're working at something, they're making some money, and what a difference we've seen in that 10 city now. They're there every morning waiting for us to pick them up and, and to do some work for the campaign. But we need funding. We need funding for shelters. We need funding for uh, after-shelter programs. Mm -hmm. uh, we need some funding uh, for the mental disability, long-term and short-term. That's going to clear up the streets. That's going to clear up the villages, and that's going to make New Haven uh, more desirable for people to walk around to live in. I, I mean, I love New Haven. I love going to New Haven, but it would be imagining a growing tent cities all popping up all over the place that would become do not do that out at State Street specifically <laughs> <laughs> specifically where we just opened yes. up our new satellite office yes yeah it would be hard to feel good about that type of environment and there there's I mean to your, your daughter pushed you into this because there's the human side of it it's like yeah I don't want to see that in the city I don't want to deal with that that's me like coming from a a selfish point of view right. of I just want to and I think everybody should be selfish in that way I, I don't want to live somewhere where I'm dealing with tent cities all <clears throat> over the place right but the human side is these people need help how do we help them right we have to create a roadmap of hey this is where you are now let's get you into the shelter and while you're in the shelter let's start to teach you some job skills and then start to work with the local businesses and the local community to give them opportunities like you are doing it, anthony is the shelter the answer I don't, that's where i'm what I, I don't know what the answer is i don't know figure it out so i'm just curious what your thoughts are well we do need some shelters listen winter's coming we need to get these people these individuals off the street and get them some protection and you're right you know we talked about children we all have a heart for children and the human side is we have to have a heart for our fellow man you know i have a number of married couples that are living there and my concern is with the state of the economy just across the country with with the food prices with the heating prices the utility prices more and more people are not going to be able to afford to live and is that going to exacerbate the homeless situation for us i don't know but it may so you're right the path to this is get them some shelter which is a short-term answer. We don't want them there forever. And get them some training. Get them training for with education, maybe a GED. Uh, get them some skill training, carpentry, plumbing, something like that. And we can do that because there are people I've talked to that are willing to volunteer their time to get these people back into society. Mm -hmm. So you're right. That's the road path. Well, it's interesting. My wife works for a company where she deals with a lot of people with mental health issues. It'll be interesting. We'll be, like, out shopping, and then she'll all of a sudden there's, like, a client that she's been working with for a couple of years who's now working at a store doing Excellent. that. And, Excellent. And that's really what you want to get them. You like you want to feel self-worth, right? That's really, right. I think, right. like, that's what, what it's about. Right. And rather than just giving them the handout, right, of, like, hey, you can come stay in the shelter <laughs> for, you know, indefinitely, say, this is our time frame. We're going to give you six months here. But in that six months, we're going to make it as valuable as possible we're going to introduce you to as many people as possible to help you get back on your feet so that you can you know regain some of that self-confidence and pride and then go on about your life so in a year or two you can see them at a local restaurant or in a local store and say how's it going right and i think the thing is too when we talk about the tent cities popping up you gotta remember even though we might be doing business as realtors around like new haven is first impressions are everything Right. Correct. So when someone we have a lot of people start coming here like out of state, they land in Tweed, New Haven, we pick them up, we show them houses. That's the first thing they're seeing is is the city, you know, and and I feel like that will affect, you know, always the outer towns as well. 
Yeah, we mentioned Tweed there. We didn't even get into Tweed, which is in your district. Yes. The airport. Um, maybe many of you listening have already flown in and out of Tweed. You're against expanding Tweed. Why don't you give us your final thoughts there uh, before we uh, break? Sure, absolutely. Uh, well, I've taken the flights out of Tweed. I love the airport. The airport's not going to go away. And actually, the airport is an asset uh, to the city of New Haven. My only problem with the airport is there has to be accountability to the airport officials and the city of New Haven, number one, to provide what was promised to some of the New Haven residents and actually local residents in that neighborhood. Number two, that the pollution study that they promised would be fulfilled. As I walked through the, the uh, neighborhood, I could smell some of the jet fuel. I could see uh, some of the things going on there. I've flown in there. You feel like you are Santa Claus dropping onto somebody's <laughs> roof when you're landing at Tweed. Right. It's a sm- Listen, it's a small and quiet neighborhood. Now they have to deal with noise. They have to deal with traffic. They have to deal with pollution. So in any area of an airport, you know that that exists. But there's a way to uh, circumvent some of that, to do some of the things you said you were going to do. They're starting finally to put some speed bumps so people aren't using it as a racetrack to make their plane. I've seen a whole bunch of signs now, don't go down this road, right. neighborhood. And so they've put up a whole bunch of, of signs recently, but they weren't there in the beginning. Right. So that's why I would not support the expansion until there's an accountability for what's been done and really what's going to happen with the expansion. So I've, I've mentioned that as part of my platform. Anthony Acri running for the 97th state uh, district representative. He's running on public safety, fiscal responsibility, parental rights, education, and the homelessness, mental health issue that are happening in New Haven. Really appreciate your time, your insights, just being willing to share Good luck on Tuesday. You guys can go support Anthony, anthonyacri.com, anthony, com. Check out his website and more of his content there. Appreciate you coming on, Anthony. Thank you very much. And let's, let's go, New Haven. Let's revitalize it and get it in great shape for all of us. Thank you. We support you in that. Anything that's going to help our real estate community. When we come back, we're going to talk about some real estate here on Real Estate Radio 94.9 News Now, stimulating talk. Salon Buick GMC Studios, WJJF, Montauk.